Thank you, President Stumbo. Those of you who just like summaries of the message, you can go now, actually. So. <laughs> I know some of you may be a little sleepy after being up so late, so yeah. Feel free to take a nap now. It'll be all right. I promise not to get in your face too much. That's good. It is, uh, you know, the, the Alliance uh, three years ago started this 40 days of prayer, and uh, it made sense, right? I mean, it was 20, it started 2021. Uh, everyone knows what happened in 2020, right? There was a few things happening in 2020. A pandemic was still continuing to rage, right? And, and uh, of course, we had, uh, you know, just the heated uh, politics of uh, the year, right? The cycle of politics that year of elections and, and uh, just, just an overall kind of chaotic and divisive atmosphere throughout 2020 for all kinds of reasons. Uh, and that has really continued, obviously, since then, it seems like to today as well. But in 2021, it, it made sense for the Alliance to step in and say, hey, we need to somehow do something different here to start 2021. Let's, let's figure out a way to draw our churches and our people back together and get our focus where it should be, which is on Jesus and not on the politics and not on the pandemic, not on the chaos that's all around us and the division, but instead the one who uni unifies us all on Jesus. So I was uh, excited when the Alliance came out with this at the end of 2020 and uh, promoted it for 2021 and gladly uh, ushered our church into joining that, uh, uh, the other churches that were doing it and, and started 2021 with that. And, and then after 2021, I, I think, you know, the next year, they kind of felt like, you know, we, we need to do this again. I mean, not only was our 2021 prayer, 40 days of prayer received really well by churches, but also there still felt like there was a need for it. And so they launched it into 20. 2022 as well. And then this year now, it's the third year. So it kind of feels like now Mr. Maybe President Stumbo is getting to a point where he's like, you know what, this needs to be a part of our kind of uh, uh, alliance DNA, maybe going forward, at least for this season, that we would start every year as a, a denomination in 40 days of prayer. And I full heartedly join him in his heart and desire to do that. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not dragged into to this. Like, you know, I am an Alliance pastor and they are in charge of licensing me, but they're not forcing me to do this 40 days of prayer. Uh, I actually am gladly joining them in because I do believe that it's prayer is a hugely important piece of who we are as Christians and how we're able to survive and live each day. Uh, matter of fact, as I have lived my life more and more for Jesus over the years, I've seen how uh, he has drawn me into greater and greater intimacy in prayer. Uh, especially the last 10 years as I felt like the Lord has, has really been uh, real to me in different ways and as he's matured me and developed me and my ability to live out his will, I've seen how prayer has become more and more important. And, uh, and something that I used to do on occasion that now is something that I do not just daily, but multiple times a day in essence throughout the day in different moments at different reasons or at different times, uh, whether it be out of boredom or whether it be out of need, uh, I find myself going back to Jesus and having conversations with him. Indeed, I, I think, you know, I've said this uh, uh, several times, we as, uh, as Christians in today's world, our greatest need is to know and be aware of our Savior, of Jesus. And it, that changes everything. 
Like when we understand and know Jesus, when we understand and know that he is with us, it radically changes the way we live our life. And that happens in prayer. As our song, uh, that last song that we sang, uh, it highlights this reality that we come to him on our knees, that we need him, that we come to worship him, we need him, but we want him to do something in us. We don't let us just know more about him, but we want him to give us his heart, and then we want him to lead us with his love to those around us. This is the prayer, I think, of every Christian. This is the heart of prayer in some sense, right? That, that we would come to him, to know him, to increase our awareness of him, but also so that we could live out our life more with him in obedience to him. Prayer is both individual, personal, and corporate. I loved in our prayer time this morning before the service how uh, uh, one of our prayers was uh, highlighting how personal, how intimate God knows us and how he responds to the smallest of needs. Things that we may think, you know, uh, do I even take this to the Lord? Does he even care? I mean, this is God, right? He's holy. He's awesome. He's powerful. He's all these things. Do I even take this? But he knows us. He loves us. He knows us intimately. And he's willing to care for and give us the things we need, even the smallest of needs. But it's also a corporate aspect of prayer, that we would gather together as believers. Just about every service that we do on Sunday mornings here has four separate times of prayer in it, intentionally. That, that it wouldn't just be like, uh, you know, President Stumble's Day. It wouldn't be just, you know, oh, let's hurry up and, and bless the service and then move on so we can get on to the other stuff but that there would be important and, and, and distinct times where it's not just a flippant prayer. It's not just a prayer that is kind of just offered, you know, kind of in, in almost like, a, you know, like some kind of, oh, what's the word I want? Help me, help me. You guys don't even know what I'm saying. Huh? Ceremony. Ceremony. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great, great word. Anyway, that was better than the word I was thinking of. Anyway, you're awesome. Could you just sit right here and you could just like give me, feed me words every once in a while. Um, ceremony, like it's not just ceremony, but it's actually intentional, like that we are having a conversation with a real God corporately. And so we do that, and we, it's important that we do that. I, I want to encourage all of us in this church, all of us that are here with us today, to consider what you could do different in these 40 days of prayer. That you would consider adding, no matter how much prayer you already do, consider adding some aspect of prayer over the next 40 days. That, you know, certainly we've got the devotionals here that Mike talked about, and those are great, and I encourage you to do those, and I will be doing those as well. That's, that's one thing. But, but really, a, what about prayer? You know, prayer is certainly reading God's Word, and it can be part of that, but, but where are you spending time just in the presence of God? And maybe it's contemplative prayer that you need to add, a time where you don't say anything and you just sit. Sit and listen. Sit and be. Maybe it's, you know, prayers for others, you know, intercessory prayer. Maybe that's an area where you need to add to your life for the next 40 days. Maybe it's prayers of supplication. Maybe it's prayers for repentance and forgiveness. Whatever it is, I just want to encourage you to add something to your prayer over the next 40 days. And if you don't spend time in corporate prayer, if your only time for corporate prayer is on Sunday morning, 
would you consider adding one of our prayer times to your schedule over the next 40 days? We meet on Tuesday nights at 5.30 down in the cafe for prayer, and we also meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., an hour before the service. Would you consider maybe adding those to your schedule for the next 40 days if you don't spend any time in corporate prayer? I know a lot of us do. I know our connection groups, there's a lot of prayer in our connection groups, but just want to encourage you specifically to think over the next 40 days, okay, how can I add more or a different aspect of prayer to my life? Now, 40 days of prayer, they've decided the kind of the focal point will be the Lord's prayer. We uh, read it at the beginning of our service, towards the beginning of our, our service together. Uh, it is, we prayed it, if you will. It's, it's uh, of course, Jesus' instructions on how to pray. Disciples say, hey, you know, Father, Jesus, how, how do we pray? And, and so this is what he gives. And the focal point of this first message is just on, in essence, the preamble. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just the beginning. But this beginning of the Lord's Prayer, as President Stumble pointed out, is important because it sets the tone of the prayer. It sets the correct posture of the prayer. Posture makes a difference. I remember uh, as, a youth, as a youth pastor, uh, many times had teenagers come to me and, and complaining about their parents. And trust me, all the parents are always horrible. It's always their fault. So uh, as a youth pastor, I knew this. And so a teenager would come to me and begin to complain about their parents. And I'm like, yes, yes, I know parents are horrible. I don't know why God gave us to them. No, not really. But uh, you know, oftentimes in their complaints, they would be like, you know, I don't understand why they won't let me do this, or I won't understand why they're making me do this or whatever. And, and uh, so I would uh, go through for them. I'd say, you know what? You know, if you really want your parents to listen to you, if you really want to have an opportunity for your parents to actually, uh, you know, let you do what you want to do or let you off of what you want to get, you get out of, then you need to mind the way that you approach your parents. If you come in yelling and screaming, why are you never let me do this? Your parents are going to go, that's why. Thank you. Go into your room. I don't want to hear you anymore, right? If you come in with fighting attitude or if you come with pride and arrogance, then like, they're not going to listen to you. But if you come in recognizing their authority, recognizing who they are and trusting them and loving them and being gentle and, and, and respectful of them, that's going to totally change. Now, it may not change the answer, but it'll change how they respond to you. And so anyway, so this is the same kind of Jesus is setting up our posture. As we go to God in prayer, what is our posture? How should we approach him? How do we address him? How do we see our relationship with him? Of course, it starts with our father. <laughs> Isn't that shocking? As shocking as the intimate responses to the smallest details of our life, that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the awesome and powerful, omnipotent God, that he would invite us to call him Father. <laughs> How is that so? Shocking. But he does. He calls us to see our relationship with him 
as one of father and child. John 1, 11 to 13. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus calls us, when we start our prayer, to see and recognize our relationship with God as he is our father and we are his children. We have access to him. Matter of fact, if we didn't have access, if he wasn't our father, we couldn't even enter the throne room, right? We couldn't even come to him. Why would we even think we have a shot of coming to him? But because he is our father, we have access. We have the opportunity to to step into his presence, so to speak. He's always with us, but to step into the throne room as in prayer. And beseech the Lord upon him on what we need and what our concerns are. The reality is we need him. We can't survive without him. And he wants us to need him. (laughs) He wants us to come to him. He takes on the title of father and gives us the title children because he wants to be in intimate relationship with us. And that intimacy is not just a title, it's a relationship. He wants us to come and know him. He loves us. He enjoys intimacy with us. And because of that, we come to him with confidence. We come to him with boldness. Recognizing that, that as his child, we can come in. We can on occasion interrupt him. Right? We can step in with some confidence. We can run into the room and say, Jesus, I need you. God, I need you right now. Because we know that as his children, he will not reject us. He will not turn us away. He will accept us continually. He will be there for us. He will listen to us. He offers us his love and comfort. He hears our words. He knows even our unspoken words. Romans 8 talks about how the Holy Spirit groans for us. (laughs) Those words that we can't come up with, that Katie helps me out with, but the Holy Spirit helps you guys out with. It's great. (laughs) But in this relationship of father and child... I think we need to be careful to to not get too flippant. In the 90s and early 2000s, especially, we saw a move in the church. Uh, maybe uh, uh, you know made sense to some extent. That pendulum swinging away from the quote unquote holiness of God to the love of God. But we saw this uh, this rise of kind of this you know flippancy with God and prayer. You know, the rise of of bumper stickers and phrases like, Jesus is my homeboy. (laughs) 
like, you know, that this somehow, you know, we don't really have to honor or respect God, that, you know, he so loves us, he so like us. Remember the song, uh, who was it, Joan Osborne, I think, you know, if, if God were one of us, right, you know, if God were one of us, just a slob like one of us, you know, on the bus, you know, whatever, this is a crazy song, but, but this, again, it comes out in the 90s, right, in this, in this perspective of God as being brought down from the heavenly realms, uh, from his holiness, from his sovereignty and his authority and awesomeness to just be normie like us, just, just one of us, like just kind of one of our pals that we just kind of hang out with. And I think we need to be careful. He is our father. We have access. We can step in with boldness into his presence and, and, and interrupt him. We can, we can come in and, and, and scream and holler if we need, need to do that sometimes and, and be angry in his presence. But we need to be careful about becoming too comfortable and flippant with him. Disrespect destroys intimacy. I think some of us need to be careful, not forgetting that the God who is Father is also the God whose name is hallowed. This is the second part of the preamble. That he has a holy name. That God is holy. He's set apart. He's greater. He's stronger. He's better. He's other than us. He is creator and we are the created. To recognize that he is holy. To recognize that he is the one who is sovereign. He has all authority. We come into his presence as father, as children, knowing that our father will receive us. But we also know who our father is. That our Father is the one who holds all life in His hand. That without His attention, without His continued attention, we would cease to exist. Every breath we breathe is because of the grace of God. We worship and we cry out to a holy God. We have a relationship as father and son, father and daughter, with a holy God who is in authority. And that's partly why we come to him. If he wasn't holy, if he wasn't great, if he wasn't powerful, if he wasn't stronger, if he wasn't better than us, if he wasn't other than us, we wouldn't need him. Why go to a father who has nothing to offer? But we go to God, our Father, because of His power. Because He is the one who has the ability and the power to change, to bring change, to respond to our requests. All good that happens is initiated by God the Father, whose name is Holy. All good. Every good thing that ever has happened in our life has been sparked and initiated by God. The holy God, the all-powerful God, the sovereign God. 
And so we come to him as father, but we come to him as father knowing that he has the power to change, to bring good, to, 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 to bring change in our life. We come with respect of that power and honoring that power. The reality is, is that, and, and, and this, it's funny, you know, we, 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 we fight against this all the time, but the reality is, is that prayer with God is productive. It's active. This is kind of the whole point, I think, maybe of the Sabbath, right? You know, God said, take a day and I, stop working. Don't be productive. Spend that day in observance of me, in honor of me, of respecting me, of worshiping me. And the reality is when we do that, that's actually more productive than the other six days of the week. And so we fight and push prayer out of our life. We don't want to go to God. We don't want to go to the one who can initiate change, the one who can initiate all good things in our life. We push him out because we don't have time. I don't have time for that because I've got to be so productive in doing these. If I take time to do this, I'm not going to have time to complete that and I'm going to fail. Wait a second. We've got it all wrong. Prayer is active. It's productive. Our success, no matter what it looks like, is dependent on him and him alone. Whether we realize it or not. But we have to also caution ourselves, recognizing that God is holy, that God is powerful, that He's sovereign. We have to be careful of not being afraid. Many people avoid prayer altogether simply because they feel unworthy simply because they know their sin and they know that God is righteous and to step into his presence or even to even address him in any way is a dangerous place to be. Fear that God would just take us out. Perspective that prayer is only done with our foreheads pressed against the floor. We don't go to prayer because we fear judgment and wrath. I loved, uh, you know, uh, I can do this. C.S. Lewis, um, in, his, uh, in his book, Lion, a Witch in the Wardrobe, great allegory of Jesus and the lion. And you'll probably remember the beaver's response when, oh, what's her name? Lucy, thank you. Got it. I don't know why she lost me. Oh, okay, we got two. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Yeah, it's great. So much help out there. So Lucy asks him about Aslan the lion. Says, is he safe? And what does the beaver say? Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe but he's good. Profound statement about God. We need to recognize his great and awesome holiness. Sovereign God of all. All-powerful God. Who's also our Father. He's good. He calls us to himself. 
Ultimately, these two titles and perspectives, these postures before God in prayer. When we come to pray, we come before a God who is to be worshipped. Sometimes we come with excitement and with boldness and with uh, free conversation, just kind of back and forth. Other times we worship in humility and repentance. But whether in intimacy or in holiness, when we come to God in prayer, we come in worship. Worship is this idea that we are not God. Right? No one prays if they don't need God. If we've got life figured out, and matter of fact, I think this is true of most of us, at least it's been true in my life. Like, you know, I, I found Jesus when I was five years old, right? And, and that's awesome. And God has been amazing in my life in different ways. But then I got in my teen years, and, you know, I had some good years there. But there was often, you know, my, a, lot, a lot of my life, I just kind of, like, lived it, right? I didn't really think about Jesus that much. Like, I just kind of, like, I didn't recognize my need. But over time, as we continue to grow and mature and experience the successes and failures of life, we realize more and more the need that we have. And because I've come to know more and more my own sin and my own depravity and my own failure, that motivates me to spend more time in prayer, to worship the one who is good because I need him. I need him to act in my life. I need him to empower me. I need him to give me what I need in the moment. I need him to comfort me. I need him to challenge me. I need him to change me. Because I'm sick and depraved individual who, who needs Jesus desperately. So prayer is worship because we're admitting our need. But prayer is worship as well because we are coming to the Holy One, recognizing His sovereignty. Right? We worship someone that is greater than us. Like I've said before and others have said as well, like if, if, we, if we understand fully 100% who God is, then he's not worth worshiping. If he's just like us, he's not worth worshiping. We wouldn't worship him if he was just like us. But because he's not like us, because he's grander than us, because he's holier than us, because he's more powerful than us, we come to him. We seek him. We ask him to act in our life. He's our hope. If you understand worship, worship in Scripture seems to be the core of it is about God, not about us. Ever thought about that? You know, so often we show up on Sunday mornings expecting that, you know, it's uh, the worship and everything that Lord does needs to make me happy. Like, make me feel like, oh, I really like that worship song. That really made me feel worshipful. So now I'm satisfied. Thank you, Laura, for helping me to worship God. Whoa, 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 wait a second. It's not about Laura. It's not about how I feel. Worship is about God. <laughs> and so the question is, 
what does God want from us, right? Because if worship is about God, then it needs to be done as he calls us to. And how does he call us? He calls us to pray. You think about that? 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. Amazing. To, off, to always be praying. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the, prop, the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to cast our cares on him. Philippians 4, right? Similar thing in your anxiety, right? Take it to God, cast it on to God. Let him know he wants us to come. His will, this is the amazing thing about God who is sovereign and awesome and powerful and good is that he calls us to come to him. And so when we do come to him in prayer, we are worshiping him because we're doing his will. We're doing the thing that he's called us to do. He desires us to come to know him, to depend on him. He loves us and wants to be with us. He wants to help us. And so prayer is not just like some cool perk of being a child of God. Prayer is not some convenient privilege. And prayer is not an emergency hotline where we just, you know, in emergencies, give them a call. Prayer is obedience to his will. Do you spend time in prayer? <laughs> I would suggest or expect that many of us in this room spend significant times in prayer. But I don't want to assume. And so I asked the question. Do you spend time in prayer? If not, why not? Is your perspective wrong? Are you seeing prayer with the wrong, through the wrong lens? Has, has Jesus just kind of become too, you know, kind of pally for you? Like, you know, just kind of a buddy. Like, you know, yeah, I'll catch up with you later, you know, kind of thing. Or is he just too holy for you and you're so focused on your sin and depravity, you're so afraid? Why don't you spend more time in prayer? I think it's good to think about these things, to rest in that for a minute, right? To ponder it. I know people say don't, uh, you know, you can't have silence, you know, when you're speaking, but I like silence. It's provocative, right? It's like, eh. All right, worship team, come on up. What is your posture in prayer? Are you seeing God as both Father and as the Holy One? Are you confident that he's your father and not your destroyer? But do you respect his power and honor his authority?
God has called you to prayer. Are you obedient? Are you worshiping God by praying? Are you honoring God by praying? This year, let's take some time to evaluate. We've got some extra ways for us to engage maybe in prayer for the next at least 40 days. Consider for yourself what the Lord is calling you into. It's not what I'm calling you into. It's what is he calling you into? Sometimes what I say is him speaking. <laughs> but I just, I just want to encourage us all. And, and understand that I'm evaluating this myself. I'm considering what God is calling me into. Reality is that, you know, my prayer life can get pretty routine. Yeah, I do it a fair amount, right? <laughs> but am I recognizing what I'm doing? Is my perspective getting a little bit too loose? Your pastor needs to evaluate this, and maybe it's arrogant to assume, but because I feel like I need to evaluate it, I think you guys need to too. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us access to you. But for longing for us to be in intimate relationship with you. <laughs> Over the last few years, life has gotten much more difficult and We've seen a lot more struggle and division and failure. And as a result, Lord, many of us have been driven to our knees more often than we had before. Thank you, Jesus. Recognizing our need of you. But Lord, just like the Israelites in the desert, our desert time here the struggles that we endure, the, the conflict, the division, the, the persecution. Even the famine, Lord, is opportunity for us to recognize how much we need you. To become dependent on you. So, Lord, thank you that we can come to you and that as, we've as you've revealed our weaknesses, Lord, we've had more opportunity to come to you. Help us. We need you. We need you to act. We need you to move. We need you to do something different. And Lord, even as we, we think about and contemplate prayer and adding more of that into our life, that can lead us to guilt and to shame. But Lord, no, we come to you and we, we follow you. We listen to your voice, but you're the one who empowers us to do it. And so we trust you. We make commitments and statements of faith because we know that you will show up. That you'll give us what we need to do it. And so, Lord, even in these 40 days of prayer, we, we don't, we're not afraid of adding something because we know if you're calling us to it, you'll empower us to do it. And so we do come to you and we take time to reflect, Lord, are we, where's our prayer life at? We need you. Do we need you enough? Is that, is that obvious enough? 
Lord, do we need to add things to our prayer life? Is there the aspects of prayer that we need to go? Are we coming in with the wrong posture? Lord, change us. Reveal to us. Change us. Make us more like you. May your love fill our hearts. That we would know who you are, but also know who you've created us to be. Yes. And that we would be able to walk in that. Thank you. To join you in the saving of many souls. Lord, I thank you how you navigate not just our lives individually, but even our service. And as you ordained this service this morning, <coughs> without cooperation with me, Laura read Psalm 95, which is the exact passage that I wanted to read as a closing. So he started it with 95, Psalm 95, and he is now ending it with Psalm 95 as well. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. This he, the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. And unbelievably, we are the sheep of his hand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless. Happy New Year. What a great way to start. If you need prayer this morning, maybe that's what you need to add. Maybe that's the prayer aspect is allowing others to pray for you more. And so if you need prayer this morning, please, we encourage you to come forward. Let us pray for you and with you. Have a great Sunday. God bless you all.